0: lakers fast break podcast it's gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from lakers fast break pop culture cosmos inside sports fantasy football and game source we truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows and if you can it would be so much appreciated if you can give us that five star review on apple podcasts or if you can like subscribe share follow or do whatever you can to support us here at the lakers fast break NBA Draft Junkies, Lakerholics.com, and the Run the Floor podcast, and also Pop Culture Cosmos as well. It is truly appreciated. (sighs) That sigh of relief is myself signaling out there that the Lakers, even though they set their foot way off the gas in the last half of the fourth quarter, still managed to pull out a... Well, not so comfortable victory 110 to 100 over the Houston Rockets a game in which they dominated for three and a half quarters they really did a lot of right things on both the offensive and the defensive end didn't need a whole lot of LeBron today and it really showed because everybody else played an integral role to help out LeBron and it was just such a great team effort today on both ends of the floor for three and a half quarters but like I said What we saw was similar to what the Clippers did against Denver. Let their foot off the gas, and Houston came roaring back from, I believe, as much as 21 down in the second 23 down in the second half, to come as close to as seven before the Lakers finally went and pulled down on top. And here today to talk about everything that's going on with that game is my good friends indeed. We're going to start off with my good friend from NBA Draft Junkies. He's back. He's feeling much better. Hopefully not out, still in the rain. Like he was left out yesterday, you know, because not the good time, not the best time to do it. But he is the man indeed from NBA Draft Junkies. You got to go ahead and check out the dozens and dozens of profile videos you are now watching on Facebook Live. If anything, you need help on the NBA Draft as far as your team, as far as what prospects, where to go. Even though it is heading now to a November, I think, 18th. (laughs) is the is yep. a, what's going to be the finalized date for the NBA draft, which gives yep. him even more time to go ahead and put more profiles up, mock drafts, mock lottery, more podcasts, and more things relating to the NBA draft. It is Rafael Barlow. And Rafael, great to have you back on the program, my friend. I'm glad you're feeling better. Glad you're not out in the rain with a fire alarm. And glad everything is going well with you now. What did you see most as far as from the Lakers? Because – I thought their their first half of trying to run the Rockets off the three point line worked for the most part very well.
2: Yeah, they've they figured out Houston. This series is over. It's 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 finished. You
0: said that last
1: time.
2: I did, but I I mean what can the Rockets do at, at this point? They it's like And I tweeted that Houston or the Lakers know that Houston doesn't want to take mid-range shots. So they're giving them mid-range shots. And then when the guys get into the mid-range, they're throwing the ball to guys that are covered. They've taken away the corner three. And then I just thought Houston came out flat. Like they had zero energy. I don't even think the Lakers came out with great energy to start the game, but their energy was a lot better than Houston's. And, I mean, if, if the Lakers don't take their foot off the gas, this is easily a 20-point blowout. The game wasn't as close as the score indicated.
0: I, I agree. You're correct. I agree with you 100% on that because for the most part, they had actually shut out the Houston Rockets when it came to second-chance points and fast-break points, which was essential for them gaining such a large lead. Also here today is my good friend. You can catch all the work that he does at lakerholics.com. It is Sean Grice, the madman from Toronto, as I'm going to call him right now. And Magic Man, I want to ask you this. Uh, The things you saw that they did right, don't talk about the starting lineup change yet, because I'm going to leave that for Laker time. But Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I want to go ahead and ask you real quick, the other players that get so maligned by all of us, including myself, they got the job done tonight. Not just Caruso. It just seemed like it was a team effort all around. And they were so effective. What was so? What works so right here today that we didn't see in previous games?
3: Yeah, yeah. I think tonight, Gerald, what we saw is a, a collective, synergistic effort on both ends. Like guys just pitching in and doing whatever, making the extra pass, getting the extra rebound. It seemed like with the fifty-fifty balls and the scramble plays, like there was just a purpose to the guys see it in their eyes they were really intense they, they for three, like you said for three and a half quarters they were really dominating the game
0: absolutely yes they were and it, it was a, a beautiful sight to see if you're a Lakers fan how effective they were and how ineffective James Harden was uh, for well, most I, part I, I mean yeah he had only I, two I, field goals for quite a period of a game
3: well, it's yeah. it's what Raphael said uh, a few days ago that got me really thinking about James Harden. He Raphael said he takes himself out of these games, like he he literally just takes himself out of these games. I, I'm I'm confounded by it, really. Um, you know, it just seemed. Uh, I, I remember what Kobe said once. Kobe said that he'd rather go o for thirty than o for nine. Because if he went 0-9 or 0-10, he'd be thinking what Raphael said about the Lakers changing the starting lineup, that, that he would look weak. That, that, that you know, he, he the other defenders might think that they have an edge with him. And I think that's the same with Harden. Like, he just, he takes himself out. He's had so many opportunities in this series to just pull up, take a 17-footer, and live with the results. But uh, he's so stubborn with his offensive game it's either dribble drive or he's got to do his you know 18 second step back dribble three and you know he can do so many other things but he takes himself out of these games
0: absolutely he does and uh, it's a good thing that he did so today because it just it was for Houston it was just so saddening to for them i'm sure as you're a fan to see how ineffective james harden was at times and it just alludes to some of those uh things that perpetuate in regards to does he have it in the playoff time or can he bring it all the time in the playoffs and unfortunately today go ahead
2: i think you guys aren't giving the lakers defense enough credit they made him take the ball out of his hands and
3: Tonight, yeah I mean he, he was did. still
2: well he was still aggressive tonight in the sense that he got to the free throw line a lot, but as far as getting up shot attempts they they trapped him sometimes it was late traps at the end of the shot clock. I think that he's been playing patient, he's been playing at a good pace. I mean, my issue is when he doesn't have the ball, he doesn't move, he just kind of stands there, yeah, but I feel like all the credit goes to the Lakers defense because they took away for the most part is drives. And then when he went to drive, they packed the paint and then they stayed on the shooters. And yeah, I, mean, I just feel like the Lakers defense deserves all the credit tonight because they, their game plan, you know, only got, he only got 11 shots. <laughs> so.
3: Well, and, and and we've seen with Caruso, I mean, LeBron just is a synergy with him on the court that they understand one in one another out there. I'm not sure whether it's the the energy they both bring on the court or whether it's Caruso's ability to just kind of, like, be a sponge and just absorb what Rondo and LeBron are asking him to do. But it's a combination of things. And you can see in the plus-minus in the regular season and in the playoffs now. So, I mean, when LeBron's effective out there and AD's effective, and they bring in Alex the synergy there and if you add in a KCP or a Danny Green or someone else th- there just seems to be an effectiveness with those three and you add two others
0: I'll tell you what it was something very good to see plus Rondo had another solid game uh, and it just seemed like they were getting a collective team effort like Rafael had said not only on the offensive but a defensive end as well and here to talk about that plus Something he is very happy about in regards to a starting lineup change, which he says, or probably will say, was long overdue, is our good friend Indeed. He's the mastermind behind LakerHolics.com. You got to be part of the conversation today at LakerHolics.com, where not only Raphael drops videos, I drop podcasts, Sean Grice drops article after article, Jamie Sweet has always his five things, but Laker Tom always has something to say at Lakerholics.com. And Laker Tom, I know you got to be happy with the starting lineup change of Markeith Morris in, and of course, JaVale McGee, a source, a constant source of your irritation on the bench.
1: Yeah. I went in when Mike Trudell's uh, tweet came out announcing the starting lineup that made my day. I think, I, I, I think that a lot of credit has to go to Frank Bogle. Um, I may have complained about uh, him being a better late-than-never coach as far as making adjustments and changes, but I can't complain about the fact that he he's methodically gone about his job and, and every game he's made the right adjustments. Um, when you look at the job the Lakers did in Game 3, the last two quarters of Game 3 or the second half and the first half of this game – They held the Rockets to 79 points in four quarters. This is a team that averages 113 points a game. They really shut them down. In the second half of the game three, they actually stopped the Rockets all three areas that the Rockets try to get their points on. They basically shut them down from the three point line, shut them down by blocking shots and they were one for 11 attacking the basket. And then shut them down from the free throw line, where they only got six free throws. a day, they didn't do a good job on the free throw situation, obviously, because they gave them a ton of free throws. But they shut them down again on the th- on the three point shots, and they shut them down. Uh, other than this last last minute lapse, it was it was a terrific defensive job. Um, Zach Lowe had a great story, a great article on the Lakers defense and uh, and how they were really dealing with Harden and. He pointed out one of the same things that Raphael did, which is after Harden gives up the ball, he never gets it back again. And he doesn't aggressively go to get it back again, um, which is kind of surprising. He basically, a lot of times, just stands out there at the half-court line uh, and lets the rest of the play go by. Um, This was the pivotal game. If If the Rockets were going to make a series out of it, they had to make it in this game. And unfortunately, they don't have big game, James. They have little game, James, and uh, the Lakers shut them down in that situation. The other thing that that everybody doesn't recognize, which is something that I've been harping on in the last few articles, is the Lakers' decisions to go small. And by small, I mean on offense, playing five out. Today, we played almost exclusively five out. Every time people, players were cutting through the cutting through the middle because it was open, LeBron was hitting them. Rondo was hitting him. LeBron would go in there and post up. But basically, nobody was sticking in, in the middle. We were keeping it wide open with players on the perimeter. And that offense really made it so easy for us to score at times. And it also allowed us to control the tempo of the game. Um, and then on the other side of the coin, the defense is so much better when you take McGee out of the game. And that's, you know, I'm – and I, I, I resent any implication – that I'm not a Javale McGee fan because I think it, he is at times has his place and he'll get his opportunities uh, in the Clippers series because they'll play big a lot and and he'll and I'm sure that Javale will start again once we start that series. But I think you'll also see a whole lot of Morris um, because he really fits perfectly as the as the the stretch five. Him playing that five position allows Anthony Davis to remain at the four to remain taking his jumpers, to remain trying to slip inside, to be a help defender. Um, And it's just a great combination. You know, I think it's the solution. Whoever we, whomever we play in the East is going to be another small ball team, another team that's got a stretch five center. And uh, this is a great experience for the Lakers to do what they're doing against the Rockets because they're going to need it when they get to the NBA Finals.
0: You know, I got nothing but love for you, my friend, right? (laughs) But and and I just want to say we were on a, over 150 episodes now. People could just go back and listen to all the many times I've bagged on Rondo and you've bagged on Javale McGee, and you've picked I on. I didn't even bring up Rondo. <laughs> yeah, well, me, I said for me. So I'm not going to say I'm I'm. Uh, that's why I'm not exactly on the Rondo train yet. That you're conducting. Choo choo.
2: You might as well get on. I'm, well, I, wait, might minute, I might have to. I might have to. Hold it, Gerald. But did you said you said I, I, resent fact I resent the fact that Jamal
0: McGee I resent the fact that you don't like Jamal Mcgee. <laughs>
1: Eleven ten and eight, second best plus minus on the team. Rajon Rondo. Okay. One for I think it was one for two from three.
0: Yeah, he was. But I said like I said, I'm I'm getting there. I'm almost ready to board it. I haven't got my ticket from you yet. You conductor. know, you've got to fill
1: out that apology letter in order and check off the right boxes in order to get a ticket well, to the me, <laughs>
0: me and about 90 million other Lakers fans as well. But you and Jameel yeah, McGee, I, they just have I, to I, listen I, I, to I, I, about
1: I, I, maybe – A couple of times myself, so that's understandable. The mistake that we make, the mistake everybody makes, is that you don't look at the stats of when he's in the playoffs versus when he's not in the playoffs. And you go through the regular season, which is a whole different animal – it's very easy to forget that you're looking at regular season Rondo, not playoff Rondo.
3: Well, Some guys
1: have the ability to turn it up in the clutch situation and really come through. And Rondo, the numbers show it. I mean, I wrote a whole article where I basically compared all of his stats from the times both his defensive and offensive rating stats, his points, his rebounds, his assists. And it's a very clear difference. And it's from early times when he was with the Celtics, All the way through, when he was with the Rock, when he was with the uh, uh, the the New Orleans Pelicans, and he upset the Portland Trailblazers to this particular series we're in right now. Well, it's Um, it's
0: it's clear clear that it's for real. It's 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 not an illusion. It's It's clear. Well, it's clear. He actually stepped up his game for the playoffs. It's it's clear now whether or not he can do that and matches up well enough for the Clippers series because that's kind of the direction now it's heading. We'll have to wait and see. But for now, I think it's uh it definitely worked out, and I'm I'm happy for everybody out there that's that supported Rondo because I'm not going to tell you I did because analytics <laughs> told me otherwise. So uh, I'm like I said, regular
1: season uh, analytics told yeah, you otherwise.
0: Regular season analytics, yeah. But sometimes it always uh, sometimes it tells a story, my friend. But Sean, I know you had a couple seconds you wanted to go ahead because I, I have a I'm no I think you're a passenger on that train. I'm not quite sure. <laughs>
3: Well, like Tom was saying, um, I remember on Inside the NBA, Kenny Smith once said he um, was talking to his old high school basketball coach, and the coach told him, Kenny, a guy can score 20 points a game, but when does he get the 20 points? Do you get them in the first quarter, or do you get them in the fourth quarter? And there are certain point guards who – for some reason, just turn it up in the playoffs. Yeah, it's Rondo, um, you know, a few years ago, it was Tony Parker. For some reason, Tony just accelerates and plays his best basketball in NBA Finals games. If Tony Parker isn't on that Spurs team, I, I think the Pistons actually them personally, but they ended up going to seven and EP played well the whole series.
2: This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break.
0: Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. That is by far my favorite. Because it's also character
2: driven and the stakes are high and there's much more of a mystery and intrigue to it.
3: A game like Wolfenstein, which people are saying are one of the most socially important video games of the past ten years. Catch
0: our shows on radio worldwide seven days a week, or at any time on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on over thirty more podcast outlets. Well, it was something like today that you saw a quality effort from the other players. And Raphael, before we go ahead and focus in on what's coming up tomorrow for the NBA playoffs, I want you to go ahead and touch in on, is there anything that the Rockets really can do? Uh, Because as you said before, to even preface the series, they're not going to deviate pretty much who they are. So if you really can't deviate pretty much from who you are, maybe adding in a player here or there, or figuring out what went on with Daniel House Jr., Uh, You know, I just, at this point in time, is there really no end as far as what Houston can do to go ahead and get back into the series?
2: It's over. I don't think there's... I mean, Westbrook had a better game today. But then he scored 30 in the
0: last game.
2: Yeah, he he did. And he's scoring, but he's still somewhat of a liability because when he doesn't have the ball, they're just loading up the paint on harden and like i said earlier at the, at the top of the the broadcast they've taken away the corner three which is so big in houston's offense and then when teams normally close out on the corner three they can swing and get a an open three above the break but they're not even able to get the the ball in the corner like pj tucker He's almost like like Tomlin has been comparing him to a linebacker, but he's really been like a linebacker that doesn't get to play offense. He's just playing defense, standing in the corner, running back, playing defense, and he just hasn't been able to get get shots. No um, points.
0: He scored no points today.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like NFL fullback. They never get the ball. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, <laughs> and so um, and you know I I think it's it's human nature in a sense that your offense can dictate your defense in a sense. So if he's getting looks and he's, you know, if he's two for six from three, I think his defense becomes a little better. He's going to always bring you effort, but when you're just running down the court and you don't even get a clean look, I think it just has somewhat of an impact on, on, on your defense, especially when you're guarding a guy like Davis, who you know is going to continue to get shots and shots. So you're just really out there just, playing one end of the court. And so, um, like I said, that's big. Um, Yeah, I mean, Harden and Westbrook just haven't had synergy this series other than the first game. And that's, I mean, that's key. That they haven't, and I guess last game on paper they looked good. But then Gordon was off. And today, I I don't don't know. It's just the the eye test.
0: How would you say that? It's just the eye test. That just doesn't seem like everything is... Like you said, with the synergy.
2: Yeah, well, today I just – I didn't like the effort. Like, they didn't come out with any effort at all. And, you know, I don't know if it was a long day because of the Daniel House situation and then, you know, reading that there's another unnamed player who was supposedly involved in – That was Chandler, I think. Well, they said Chandler was the player, but then they – I think I read one one article – yeah, I read one article where they said Chandler was he – was, he wasn't involved, but they said another unnamed player. So, of course, Twitter is saying, of course, you know, a woman they're going to say is James Harden, and then they're saying Daniel House is taking the fall for Harden and all that. But anyway, I don't know if that had an impact on their day, but they, they came out, like, flat with zero energy. And right. down 2-1, I mean – that's the thing about the players. If you're down 2-1, it's almost like close to an elimination game in a sense, yep. because if you get down 3-1, then it's it's nearly impossible to come back. Even though Houston has come back down from 3-1, we saw it last year, we saw it in the 2016 finals. So it's not necessarily impossible, like coming back from down 3-0, but you got to have a greater sense of urgency. And um, yeah, I, I don't know what they can do at this point. They'd have to put together... Four complete games and have a little bit of luck in order to win the series. And it just, it doesn't seem likely.
0: Because right now, you could say that with the Houston Rockets, you're shooting 40% the last three games and you're still not getting it done. And it's
1: just to they, me, the they seem- won, won 14 straight games where they'd shot over 40%.
2: And uh, well, with Houston, and I've said it multiple times, I don't think the percentage is. The big deal. It's the and number it's of the shots. The volume. Yeah, it's the number of attempts that they're getting up. So if they're making forty percent on thirty attempts, I mean, usually that's bad for the defense. But I think when you're playing Houston, that's good for the defense because they would rather shoot thirty-five percent on sixty attempts because that means they're dictating the pace. But I don't know how many attempts they had today, but they definitely did not dictate the pace. Uh,
0: uh, 33 33 So So that's like
2: 20 less than what they want.
0: Yep. Absolutely. And uh, Sean, I want to go ahead and touch on with you last uh, on this is the number of rebounds where the Lakers doubled, which is something they had to do the entire series. And for them to stand a chance against the Houston Rockets, not only did they need to out-rebound, not only did they need to just go ahead and get domination on the boards, they needed to go ahead and make a mark, and they did so today. By a two to one margin, fifty two to twenty six. What is the key of not only just staying on the boards, but being so relentless as on the boards for the Lakers?
3: Yeah, I, I think it's just really great scouting by the the coaching staff, Gerald. Uh, just breaching and pounding it into you know, Caruso, Danny Green, KCP, um, whoever it is out there, Marquis, that you need to attack the boards. Who attack the boards? Control the pace; they can't get into a rhythm. I think it was just a collective effort tonight. Usually, with rebounding, it, it's just it's it usually just takes one guy to start it, and and it has a a synergistic effort. I'll give you an example. Do you guys remember the the 2010 finals, the the first quarter game seven? I mean, we couldn't we couldn't shoot a a pea into an ocean. And yet there was Ron test, rebounding the ball like a maniac, and he kept us in it. And eventually we pulled it out, but it usually starts with one person and it flows out. That That's my observation.
0: Well, absolutely. It was a great hustle on the boards. It worked all game long. Faces who we normally wouldn't see crash the boards like Danny Green were getting a tremendous amount of offensive rebounds. I thought that was also a key, but that was something that the Lakers had to do. When it was more of an even battle, that was just would be a win for Houston as it was earlier in the series. But Laker, Tom, I want to hear your final thoughts on this game before we go ahead and touch on tomorrow's games and head on out.
1: Yeah, there's two things that jumped out at me. the The first thing is that I think that this entire approach that the Houston Rockets have The entire overcommitment, if you will, to the analytics game and to the three-point shot reached reached an absurd level in this game because there were guys who had good chances of getting fouled or making a layup who were passing the ball out. I mean, it it almost reminded me of a game where you were down by two points and players would drive to the hoop, and even though they had a clear shot, they would fire the ball out to the out to a three-point shooter because that
2: was the only way they could win. I don't and know if that, that was, was analytics, the, though. Sorry to cut you off. I don't think that was analytics. That LeBron that's, that's and that's Davis fear, were That's almost fear of Daryl getting Moore their shot a- blocked. <laughs> 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 I mean, LeBron, the message, he, when he had those blocks last game, it yep. sent a clear message that not only do you have to worry about Anthony Davis, if you get by him, you have LeBron flying from the weak side of the court. And I felt like there were times where Houston missed layups because they're worried about getting their shot blocked. So I think. uh,
1: But it's still, it's still, it's something about when you're, you know, it's like the only way they could possibly win the game or catch up was shooting threes. And that was partly because they were so far behind. So that was the first part about it that really struck me is that They attacked the rim the same way as the Lakers attacked the rim, except the Lakers finished their plays and, and they passed out. The second thing was, uh, and I hate to give credit to Charles Barkley because of how many inane, stupid things he says, (laughs) but I have to agree with him that um, the Rockets are the bucks of the West. They're the team that, that basically has a style that you're not going to win in the playoffs you know you're there's no way you're going to go through 3 or 4 through four teams to win a championship playing that kind of basketball um it was an insane and and listen this you're this is coming from a guy who's a big analytics fan i love the whole approach i love the idea of spreading the thing i think i think the lakers should play that way all the time but the simple truth is you can't play just that way and you can't just totally rely upon that because Every game and every team has a different formula that you have to figure out in order to beat. Um, they figured that out for the Rockets. I think a lot of the elements of that formula are going to be a blueprint for playing even the Clippers with Zubok in the middle and definitely for playing the Celtics when we meet the Celtics in the finals. So that uh, leads me into this <laughs> final
0: conversation. Could I add a
3: footnote to that? To okay, ask?
0: footnote away, my friend. Footnote away.
3: Yeah, no, I was just going to mention. Um... That That's what's ironic about this whole thing to me, is that the, the Rockets took the approach that the Warriors had and tried to apply it to themselves. But what they failed to recognize was that in 2017 and 2018 and, and last year, the Warriors shot the mid-range very effectively in the regular season and in the playoffs. Certain teams did run them off the three-point line, but their guys were smart enough to recognize that I could still hit an 18-footer. I mean, what's the difference if Clay Thompson hits a 25-footer versus if he puts a ball on the floor because a team's closing out on him and he takes an 18-footer? One point. Has,
1: <laughs> That's what's yeah.
3: Well, but the thing is, the Rockets aren't that. That's what I'm saying. Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, they can all see if a team's closing out, okay, I'll just shoot this 18-footer. But the, the Rockets have capable shooters. Eric Gordon can can do that. Right, He's but a the Warriors can score. Uh, you know, Harden can Westbrook could do it. Westbrook only shot two mid-range shots tonight. He made one of them. That they were both good looks. Right. He went away from it for some reason. Well, he's the not Warriors, a fishman. The Warriors want it on. No, defense, he's not. Though. That's true. That's you true. know
1: the, what the Rockets don't have is Draymond Green and Kevin Durant or Steph Curry. So there's a huge gap in talent as well as size. You know, I mean, yeah. small ball. The thing that the thing that was great about the Warriors at their peak is they played small ball with big guys, guys who could actually play the game. They could play either way, and and that's really what the Lakers have. That's why the Lakers playing small, I think, is their best formula because it's it's the game that fits the skill sets of LeBron James and Anthony Davis.
2: And what I think the difference is with the Warriors shooting mid range shots in Houston is that the two of so Gordon and Westbrook are straight line drivers, right? Yeah, and they have to put their head down and. They're not as smooth with it. Like if Steph has a pull up, his, he's not singular focused on, I got to get to the rack. Right. And so he, uh, it's easy for him to want to pull up. Westbrook is usually only shooting his pull up. If you're backing all the way off of him and it's still somewhat of a rhythm shot, but he just doesn't have nowhere near the same touch as clay and Steph, and then Durant can just pull up and elevate over the top because he's seven feet tall. I just think with Houston, I don't – well, one, I, I do believe that they passed up a lot of mid-range shots. To me, that wasn't the difference. This series changed in the third quarter of last game when LeBron had all of those blocks. You can't you, – it's hard enough to shoot over AD. And then if LeBron is playing free safety off Westbrook and he's able to fly around the court – and he wasn't just altering shots. He was sending them across the court. <laughs> that sends a message. You know, it's like, yeah, I mean, and, and Westbrook is one of the most relentless drivers, period. And you can the see even he wasn't, manly.
0: well, I just want to say, as you can see, he was
2: not active,
0: as active today as he was in that previous game, Rafael. No cutting. Okay, yeah. but, but Houston, so afraid of riling, LeBron up and getting him to the point where LeBron has to go back to that higher activity level, which I was talking about the other day because he, even he has brought it up a notch. Just like we talk about Rondo in the playoffs, especially defensively, they're so afraid of him inside blocking those shots. They decided to go ahead and play a very passive ball and in a way they just were, just were treating it inside because you can see the fact that they were very apprehensive taking the ball anywhere near LeBron.
2: Right, and I think another thing that that hurts Houston is when Westbrook or Gordon, because they're – I mean, I guess you can say they're out of control. I mean, they're they're straight line, they're head down, and they're going full speed ahead at the rim. When they miss, their momentum carries them out of the play, and then they have a tendency to do what when they miss? Wow. Flare their hands, talk to the refs. If AD or Bron gets the rebound, or especially if Bron gets the rebound – what is he going to do? Outlet it, and it turns into a fast break. So not only are they altering shots, they're beating them up at the rim. And when Houston would get by, their guys, the Lakers, knew, like, okay, well, they don't want to shoot the mid-range, and they're going to be reluctant to drive to the rim. So what are they doing? They're passing it out to the slots who's covered, and now they have to give the ball to Harden and reset with a late shot clock. And, like I said, I LeBron – opens hope a free throw. Yeah, so, I mean, like
1: you take away the threes and you take away the layups,
2: and I, I feel like Harden's still attacked, and he's clever enough to make sure that he gets he, he gets fouls because he's always in control for the most part when he's going to the rim. While well, Westbrook and Gordon hard straight line drivers, and you know, there's really no moves when they're going to the rim. But Harden, you have to, you know, he's going to throw off you the, the timing of the shot blockers with his. You know, with his feet. I mean, I th- I think there was one play where he got by Davis on it was it was like on the left baseline, and just because he knew how to change his feet up, he he shot it before he did the one-two gather. Those guys don't have that. And so once Davis and LeBron, you know, eliminated the the potential of a drive, it just killed Houston's offense. It took the, like I said, the corner three away. And I said again, LeBron changed this series with those series of blocks in the third quarter. That momentum, that was it for
1: Houston. I wonder if he would have done that if they gave him a second team all defensive honors, because I think that, that was, <laughs> I think I think they LeBron came out in that game determined to show everybody that that was a bad decision, that he deserved to be at least on the second team
0: maybe that's the case we'll have to uh actually hear from him on that but cuz he didn't mention it in his post game thoughts uh, obviously he's focusing right. on on social justice issues which is obviously more important at this point in time but with the lakers they are up 3 games to 1 after a 110 to 100 victory over the houston rockets relatively easy for most of the entire game for the lakers and it looks like that the Lakers are in the Houston Rockets' heads at this point, and it looks like they will finish them out, as Laker Tom was saying, in five games here coming up on Saturday. But again, we will be here at the Lakers' fast break to report on that. But also, as well, tomorrow night, Raphael and I will be by to talk to you about what's going on for tomorrow's games. And right after, you can go ahead and join us here at the Lakers' fast break, because tomorrow, the Clips... And the Nuggets are coming up in their own game five with elimination on the line. Plus, you also have as well, what, the best two words, I guess, from what I've been told and what I've been hearing on in basketball. Game seven coming up between Toronto and Boston, something that Rafael and I had predicted, although we certainly didn't expect it the way it was going as far as the, on the verge of a 3 a half second away. From a three-zero lead for the Boston Celtics, gone awry, and now it goes to Game a Seven. Call. Yes,
2: if Kimba gets that foul call, which he was fouled, where they're moving on.
3: Well, I wish you were. Hey, 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 you know what? I sorry to interrupt, but I, I, I it that that took me back to uh, two thousand four. Spurs are up 2-0 on the Lakers. Go back to L.A. Lakers win both games. It's Game Five. <laughs> Tim Duncan hits an incredible shot with 0.4 seconds left with Shaquille O'Neal draped all over him. I mean, draped all over him.
0: Well, let's go ahead and uh, recap. Now let's go ahead and preview the game coming up here for tomorrow in game seven. Let's start with that one. And I'll start with you, magic man. Uh, Something that I said on my solo show yesterday, because Raphael fortunately couldn't be here uh, at that time was what I mentioned was a focus in on certain aspects Yes, Nolan Powell took over in the second overtime, but for some reason they, you know, when Kyle Lowry was really in a groove in that fourth quarter, they went away from him and started going to the other guys like Siakam and Powell, who was ineffective at that point in time and didn't really generate, you know, really didn't get turned on until that, till that uh, second overtime. But I want to ask you this: uh, when you have someone in that fourth quarter as effective as Lowry was. Do you see Nick Nurse saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to stick with him because Siakam has been very iffy all series long.
3: Yeah, Yeah. definitely, Gerald. You know, I think what's happened with Pascal is he's not establishing himself deep in the post like he did last year, earlier this season. Um, you know he's he's not effective. You're right. He his play has been choppy. He'll play good in spurts, and then um, there were times yesterday when I saw Raps fans just fringing their teeth when when they passed it to Tiakum uh, instead of letting Kyle continue to uh, um, or even Van his, Vliet was
0: was effective ben, in, in yeah, spurts. yes. exactly,
3: yesterday. exactly, exactly. So I think. I mean, it's a Game 7, man, and one thing we know about Nick Nurse is he's completely unpredictable. He will pull a rabbit out of the hat if he thinks it'll help him win. He -hmm. doesn't play favorites either. If you're struggling, he'll sit you. He sit Norm Powell in Game 6 when they were down, and he needed a spark. He brought him back in 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 the second overtime, and Powell played amazing. Norm has one or two credible games in the playoffs for the Raptors, no doubt. So he had his game. In this one, I think it's going to take a collective effort. And I know Raphael's been harping on Marc Gasol to kind of put his imprint on the game, or at least try to. And he's got to be effective in Game 7 if the Raptors are going to win. If Marc Gasol is ineffective, the Raptors will not win Game 7.
2: Well, Norm- I think they'll just go small. Yeah, they'll uh, just go to OG at the five. because
3: mm-hmm. it's worked with them. I, I think I think Stevens can counter that. I I I like I I remember him a Butler. I have a lot of respect for him and the way he makes little adjustments throughout the course of a game that that can that can swing a match up here or there. So,
0: well, one of the things I want to ask is like we saw a great performance from Norman Powell in the last game, but Raphael. Before I head over to Laker Tom on this. And that is this, uh, with what's going on from the Boston perspective, one of the things I was, uh, as an NBA fan, because uh, I really don't have a dog in this show, per se, uh, I want to go ahead and ask you this. They relied way too heavily on a struggling Kemba Walker in that game, uh, especially in the overtime. So they were going back and giving the ball to him, go ahead, make the make the play, make the penetration, go ahead handle the ball. And when you've got a superstar like Tatum out there on the floor and you're not feeding him the ball constantly, I saw that as an issue. Or even Jalen Brown, he got some spots in there, but it was kind of a little bit inconsistent in the second half for me as well. It just seemed like a lot of Kemba Walker. And if he's struggling, I'm not sure if that's the right answer. So I ask you again, my friend, if Rad Stevens goes to a continuous line of Kemba Walker in that second half or if it remains close – is that going to be the same kind of result that they get this time around?
2: That's a tough one because like, if you look at yesterday's game, Walker was two for 11 and then they started going to Tatum. Tatum was the most efficient of their players, but he shot under 50%, but he also had six turnovers and Brown was 11 for 30,
0: including a great pass to Nick nurse.
2: Yeah. So (laughs) it was like, I think they tried all three. And they just couldn't get the stops or or the shots when they needed them the most. And Lowry had huge plays, but I had uh, tweeted, I don't know, maybe it was the first overtime. And I said, because with both teams, you don't necessarily know who their closer is. And so I said, I'm curious to see who is the closer for both teams. And both teams went to multiple guys like Siakam missed some bunnies at the rim. Then they went to Powell for isolation. And then they went to Lowry to Van Vliet. And then I think Boston tried it with, with their guys also. And I think tomorrow's game is going to be similar to game six. And it's going to come down to who can close, who's the best closer.
3: I, I think with Boston, the key to them is like, like Raphael was saying, two out of the three have to play well if brown two of the three brown tatum um and walker if two out of the three play well and you get a really good game out of smart and or wanamaker they're really hard to beat
0: well laker tom i want you to go ahead and finish this conversation off and i'll get from around the table uh their thoughts i'm picking the Toronto Raptors to win the game I you know, Raphael and I said well Raphael and I said it was going seven games I said the Raptors in seven I'm still sticking with the Raptors Laker Tom who do you have for this game as we head on well, I, didn't,
3: I
1: didn't make a prediction earlier so I have an advantage over you guys because I don't have a horse in a horse in the, a horse in race already like you two do um, and when I look at the uh, when I look at the way that Lady Luck has blessed the Toronto Raptors in last year's uh Eastern Conference finals and in this particular series against the Celtics um I don't think there's going to be a third miracle. I think the Celtics <laughs> are going to win this and the Celtics and Lakers are going to be the ultimate bubble championship finals playoff situation. You d- you uh, did
0: you did kind of hint that earlier in the show. Yeah.
1: And, and the the problem I see the problem I see with with both of those teams is exactly what Raphael alluded to that they don't have a closer. I mean, you know, in in the Lakers situation, it's going to be LeBron or AD. They're two best players. One of those guys, and maybe both of them are going to have the ball in their hands as you go down the stretch. Doesn't mean that they may not throw a pass over to Caruso. to hit a three or KCP to hit a three. Um, I thought Caruso, by the way, this was the best game he's played as a Laker. Um, His timely cuts, his excellent defense, his outside shooting, he had everything there. A couple of stupid passes and a couple of turnovers, but generally um, an excellent, excellent performance. Um, Boston, it's going to come down to the coaches, I think. And these are two of, two of the brightest young coaches that are in the league. And it's going to be which one of them puts together the best offensive plan and defensive plan for this game. Um, it's wonderful to have a game seven, a Friday night. Game seven is always great too, especially for those of you who have to work during the day. I don't, so it doesn't really matter to me, but
3: sure, Toronto hates it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, at any rate, I, 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 I think what I'm hoping for is a close game. Oh, I think you'll get it. Yeah. I think you'll get it. indeed. <laughs> uh, well, I, I think there's a chance the Celtics could blow them out. And simply because
3: I, I, I went ahead.
1: we haven't seen Toronto blow the Celtics out, but we have seen the Celtics blow Toronto out in this series. And that tells me a little bit about what the potential is if a team comes out and really puts all of the pieces together.
0: Sean, anyway. I wanted to go ahead and I'll give it to you. But one of the things I've learned in doing this podcast is never try to talk over Laker, Tom. It's only going to get okay. you frustration. <laughs> go ahead.
3: I uh I, I was with you, um Gerald and Raphael. I had uh I had this as a seven game series. I just thought that Toronto would have difficulty and, and I thought it would would go seven just because of their medal. So I, I'm gonna stick with the raps. I picked the raps. I'll stick with the wraps, wraps and heat in the Eastern Conference Finals.
0: I'll tell you what. If you didn't, you'd be. Give me revenge. By well, the way. well, you wouldn't be able to leave out your door. there up there in uh, the Great White North, so you wouldn't be able to go outside if you, you picked. Uh, well, well,
3: well, what's so tantalizing about this is that if the Raptors, yeah, yeah, <laughs> is that if the Raptors do win, Jimmy Butler has the Raptors right where he wants them. It was four bounces. I'm sure he's thinking about that when he watches the game tomorrow. Yeah, but the guy who
0: shot is going to be playing for the Clippers.
3: Right, right. (laughs) But that's what I'm saying. He's laughing about this, I think, personally. Actually,
0: it wouldn't wouldn't motivate me until I met the Clippers in the finals. Then I would Mm -hmm. remember what Kawhi did.
3: Mm, Jimmy's a different dude, man. Jimmy's a different dude. He finds
0: motivation wherever he drives he Of course. That's why he's so great.
3: I wasn't at the game, but, uh, you know, we have season tickets, a few of uh, our paramedic guys, and he heard it from Toronto. So he wants to get him back. I like, I know, I'm not saying I know this man, but I know his mindset on the court.
1: He's like, LeBron; he'll make up, if if there is no motivation, he'll put it on his own whiteboard and make it of up. Of
3: course, of
0: course. <laughs> well, let's get a hit, Raphael, in here to share his thoughts on who will end up. Because you told me seven games, but you never ended up telling me who.
2: So no, the... I said Toronto. It was okay. the the Rockets Lakers series. I never gave a prediction, but uh, oh, yeah, okay. I got I got Toronto. Okay. Who do you
1: got in the Lakers series now?
2: <laughs>
1: it's over. Five games. All All right. five. Is that what I hear, Raphael? Lakers in five. Yeah, it's over.
0: We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. And and so we can go ahead and get to what we're working on with Lakerholics.com and NBA Draft Junkies. Let's go ahead and say what Raphael is now known for saying when it comes to the Clippers and the Nuggets. It's over. Magic, man?
3: It's over. It's five games. It's over. I predicted five.
1: I'll do a short one, too. Ask me. Go ahead, Laker, Tom. It's over. (laughs) Raphael?
2: It's done.
3: (laughs) Can I I just add something? Go for it. Um, Yeah. Did anybody find... um, uh, dame's uh Twitter feed today because it was on he was on fire talking about what he thought about Michael Porter I would, I would, <laughs> I'd be interested in what you guys thought about that
0: well it's a rookie I'm just gonna tell you this if nobody if heard I mean because I know that that was the second talk of the day behind what Daniel house jr and uh, who else as far as Houston as far as allowing a uh, female uh you know, individual to test, per se, or everything that went down in regards to that, the reason why uh, he was suspended for today's game, but as far as violating that, that was the, the talk behind it was rookie, well, actually he's not a rookie, second year player, Michael Porter Jr., essentially a rookie because he was injured his first year, uh, coming in as the, the Nuggets' third best player, although eventually in a year or two we could be saying he's the top player for the Nuggets because he's got, he's got skills, he's got a lot of mad game, he's got a silky smooth jumper, but he's got a lot of confidence right now on the offensive end. We won't talk defense right now because his defense is still atrocious. But when it comes to the offensive end, he is a really great option. But complained in the loss after the loss by you know of the Nick you know for the Nuggets in their in their light previous game against the Clippers and complained heavily about not getting enough touches, which you know as a young player is going to set off an entire locker room. So I ask, sure. so so I ask you. I know your experience from Sean, and what, that's why you wanted to bring it up. I'm just going to tell you right now that it, you know if you're in that locker room, you cannot be happy about voicing that to the public. Raphael, as someone who knows or uh, you know certain players around the league, uh, you, you just you cannot tell me this went over well.
2: No, it didn't. And I thought John Hollinger had the the tweet of the day around it. I don't know if you had a chance to see it, but he mm-hmm. had mentioned that he fell in the draft, not only because of his back issues, and then he just kind of left it up to you to decide <laughs> what, what was that reason. And I think he comes off selfish. And you can say this is the third time within the last six months that he has said or tweeted something that other NBA players did not like. The one was, I think, with the... George Floyd situation, he must say something along the lines of, why is everybody praying for this family? I think you need to pray for the family of the officers. Valid points, but it's just one of those things that's not going to be received well. Um, And then he says something else. Um, I know, like, I guess they call them all lives matter, but, you know, that's his opinion. But in this climate, you know, it's not going to be received well. And I know Steven Jackson had tweeted something to him and and I had told one of my friends earlier he said well why is a rookie even getting interviewed in this situation I said well because they know he'll say something that's controversial <laughs> and so <laughs> right now I mean that's he's he's going to give you clickbait material but yeah I, I think that he was wrong for saying that and then also it would be like Kuzma saying that the Lakers didn't give him enough shots. Well, no, they're not gonna run plays for you, Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> you know, maybe if you cut or or ran the floor or something like that, you may have to generate your your own touches in a sense. So yeah, I don't think it went well in the locker room. I think that you know, they're gonna have to tell him you gotta chill out with the tweets and and you know, with the comments. And he he may be in a sense like Kyrie now. You know what, Kyrie, you're going to get a good sound bite if you ask him a question, right and even Derek Rose at one point, Derek Rose was just brutally honest, no matter what question that you asked him. So yeah, I think uh, Porter Jr. needs to um, have a conference you know, like, with his agent. <laughs> What's that?
1: needs to have a conference with his agent.:
2: Yeah, and I'm sure like the coaches or, or whoever has talked to him, but he, yeah, it just wasn't a good look for him.
0: No, it wasn't. But we'll wait and see if he does get more touches, and if that is, you know, that will do anything to go ahead and stave off Nuggets from elimination at least for one more game. We'll see if that works tomorrow. I don't think it will, as Rafael would say. Well, now he says uh, they're done. So you know it's done uh, when it concerns uh, this series. concern I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. We all think it's done after this to, uh, game tomorrow. But Rafael and I will be back tomorrow. To go ahead and report on that right here at the Lakers fast break. But before we head out, Raphael, I want to turn it back over to you. Not only did you have an outstanding appearance on Chris LeBron's great show, Off the Ball Podcast, you do so much for NBA Draft Junkies and the off, you know, the run the floor podcast as well. So I want to hear your thoughts on what you're doing. I know same old, same old, but you had a day off to go ahead and rest and recharge. What are your thoughts of what you're doing?
2: No your day, day off. For me anyways,
0: a day off for me is like a vacation I, for most people.
2: I had a, a night off. <laughs> um, today, at, did I put up something today? I'm not sure. I know I had two podcasts today that I have to edit and put up. And then I have one tomorrow. So yeah, I have a couple of um, just different podcasts where I've invited different subscribers to come on my show and talk about their big board of their mock lottery. So I have two of those that I can, I should have up sometime tomorrow. And then um, now that I have an, an extra month for the NBA draft, I just got to find ways to drag out this, this content. I mean, yep. it's, <laughs> and so I've been pretty busy and uh I guess I don't have to rush as much now because I had a goal of videos that I wanted to put up before the draft. And so now I I got an extra 30 days to, to get it done. So I could probably slow down a little bit, but, um, but yeah, it's just the same old and you no, know, um, who knows, you know, with all this time, I think there could be a situation where um, maybe different players want different footage out there because I know like their agents can't send it to teams, but I could send it to teams. So I think that could be something that I could have going on in the near future.
0: There you go. I'm so happy for you. I wish you all the success in the world. It is, once again, the Run the Floor podcast and NBA Draft Junkies, not only in a podcast form, but as you saw while he was talking, so many dozens and dozens of prospect videos that are out there on NBA Draft Junkies right there for you. Again, his NBA Draft Junkies podcast, his Run the Floor podcast. You got to listen to all the great stuff, watch all the great things he's doing, and, of course, also visit his overall page nbadraftjunkies.com. And for these guys right here, Laker, Tom, and Magic Man, before we head on out, Sean, a.k.a. Magic Man, I'll head it over to you, my friend, the madman from Toronto. What are you up to as far as talking about at lakerholics.com?
3: Uh, well, Gerald, uh, I'm picking up on something I saw that uh, is giving me some some positive vibes about going into the next series. Um, JaVale McGee and Dwight look very engaged watching the game. I I know JaVale has the uh, dealing with the ankle situation, and Dwight was a DNP again tonight. But they both were watching the game, paying attention, talking to one another, and that was really important, I thought, because they're definitely going to be needed in the next series.
0: I thought you were going to say for a second, well, uh, JaVale had the sore ankle situation that Dwight Howard had the uh, sore uh, gluteus maximus situation mm-hmm. from sitting on the bench, you know, from sitting on the bench so but, long. So,
3: but it, it's great. He didn't look like he had a sore ego tonight, though. Yeah, no. I mean, he looks
0: very really engaged. Good. Yeah, he except for the part where they were both like, as he was getting closer, they were laying down on the on the right there on the stanchion <laughs> there. That, that was kind of that was kind of funny, but they look engaged. They look, and I know it was noted by the guys at TNT about how engaged they still were when the Lakers were rolling. And that's good, that that these egos are not bruised to the point where it's becoming a detriment to the team, that they are still engaged. And this is something that we've talked about all season, about how the Lakers have the best chemistry in the NBA. At times, it was frayed so far in this bubble, but it looks like it's been repaired as the team has gone on round by round. Laker Tom, I know you're working on a lot of stuff for Lakerholics.com as well. So before we head on out, give us the update. What's going on for Laker Tom at Lakerholics.com.
1: Well, I think there's two things that I'm I'm looking at and, and they're, they're very closely related in my mind. Um, I think that while the Clippers play an entirely different style of basketball than the Houston Rockets do, I think that there were important lessons uh, and key rotations that were that have come out of the series with the Rockets that basically will be included in the game plans for the Clippers. Um, I think for sure we're going to see Rondo and – I think we're going to see a lot of Rondo and Morris when we play small. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of Rondo, period because I think that he's in a in a Western Conference Finals the way Rondo has been playing is exactly what the Lakers needed. He was he was he's going to be the wild card in that series, I feel. Um I also feel that Morris is going to transform the way that we play small ball and I think that we're going to see when we go small even against the Clippers that we're going to try to push Zubach off the bench. Zubak to the bench whenever we go small, we're going to spread it out just like we did against the Rockets, five out, um, opening up lanes for LeBron to drive and so forth, and forcing them to put Montrezl Harrell in there, who's a terrible defender. Hmm. Um, I think that uh, I think we're going to go back to Javale starting. I think that that makes sense, and I think Howard's going to get minutes also. And we'll play big like that because I, I definitely feel that JaVale and McGee uh, Javale McGee and Dwight Howard can match up really well with uh, Vagazubak. Um, so I think that those are changes that uh, that flow from this series, things we learned, not necessarily about the Rockets, but really about ourselves. How do we play defense best? And the truth of the matter is, is that our best defense is when we play small, when we have guys flying around, when we have LeBron flying around. Um and so I think that you're going to see half of the time we're going to play half of the game big with JaVale or Howard in the game, but we're going to play 24 minutes of the same type of spread it out wide, five out, small ball, uh, with LeBron and AD being our bigs that are going to protect the rim. And those are the things that I'll be working on in lakerholics.com. As Sean knows, uh, and anybody who goes to the site knows, those are the things that I'll be pushing in the comments. And, uh, Pushing on Twitter is at Laker Tom. So I think this was a, a valuable series. Uh, I've been impressed with Frank's. I've really been on Frank's butt the entire. Oh, really? Playoff. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I've apologized to him once, and I might even do another apology menu uh, story for him because I think he's made terrific adjustments at both ends of the court. I was never really doubting that he would make the right adjustments defensively. But I always was really had a lot of questions about the adjustments offensively. Or oh, you were doubting. And uh, I, I'm really, I'm really impressed. Uh, I, I wish I could, I wish they had the inside access that some of the writers do to ask him questions about, you know, and to talk to other members of the staff to find out how the decisions were made to move to the five out stuff and and to stop putting a dunker down in there when we're playing small to stop trying to post up anthony davis Um, but we learned a lot about the team and where our strengths are and the performance even though we didn't finish this game off well the performance in the last three games has really given us a recipe and a blueprint for how we're going to play all the way the rest of the playoffs
0: the only thing is though and this we'll talk about more and more is they cannot be so ready to go ahead and give up the mid-range game because you cannot give up the mid-range game to Kawhi
1: or otherwise. You have to double Kawhi and get the ball out of his hands because he'll make the right play, just like Harden will.
0: Well, we'll talk about that and more once both teams clinch the championship as far as their end of the playoffs, once they both get their sides done, which looks like to be a mere formality at this point uh, with both the Lakers and the Clippers up 3-1 in their series and Raphael saying they're done. And I'm saying they're done. And Laker, Tom and Sean are both saying they're done. So we're looking forward to going ahead and reporting on that. And also tomorrow, Rafi and I will be back once again, giving you a wrap up of the day's events in the NBA playoffs. Looking forward to it. Plus Laker, Tom and Sean will be back down the line here as the Lakers continue their drive towards another championship. But we'll see how it goes when we've got a great weekend in store for us here in the NBA playoffs. And we're going to cover it for you right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.